0: Talk to you tonight a little bit about revival. You know that uh, there's a lot of that that's supposed to be going on at very University. So we're going to try to get some understanding of some things. Um, I think every Christian's for revival. I mean, I I support revival. I would I would guess that you support revival, right? It, it's not a place that we go to, though. I want I want to get an understanding of that. Even even when we host our Bible conference. It's great that we can come together and gather around God's word as men preach and teach the Bible and fellowship occurs. And when that happens, my heart's revived. Is your heart revived? I mean, that's a good thing. So people gathering and being refreshed and revived, all of that's scriptural. All of that is biblical. And we're for all, all of that. But the idea that we're going to we're going to go to revival, <laughs> we got to be careful because rebar- revival really starts in each individual heart, and then manifests itself outwardly from that individual, based on who you meet, who you come in contact with, how you live your life, how the Holy Spirit's working in you individually. Right. I mean that's that that's. That, that's all good, that's all good uh, steps toward a church revival and then a church revival to a community revival and a community revival to a statewide revival and a statewide revival to a national revival. It's interesting to note that a lot of the t- most of the time that word shows up. I believe it's in the New Testament, "revive," And it is, it is in the context of the passages geared toward that nation. The, the, the nation of Israel We're not going to go down that road tonight But just something as a side note to mention There can be national revival But it needs to start first In the hearts of each Individual Saved person A lot of times people say You know I just I'm just really looking for a good church and I don't know what that means anymore <laughs> I don't know what that means Because on on one hand, you want to have a pastor that preaches from the Word of God. I mean, that's still a good thing. I mean, right? <laughs> the guy's just going to tell stories. I think that's supposed to still be a good thing. But that's only one small piece of the pie. That's not all eight slices. If you can even want to call it eight, that's one slice. A lot of the other slices really has to do with the people individually that are coming together and gathering. And so you know that goes both ways. And then what happens as each individual, the pastors, the members, uh, the children, they start to get revived. And they, you just have that really nice buzz, that, that sweet spirit at a church house. And and that's a good thing. It's a I believe that's a form of revival. But at Asbury University, a couple of concerns. Let's go to first Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians 15, Bible says in verse, verse number one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Uh, the gospel must be declared, which I have preached unto you and also you have, rebu- you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. The reason why the gospel must be the preeminence in any type of revival meeting, or if you're going to call something a revival, it's because that's how people are saved. you understand this? If I were to give Christians a message about Christian character who are already saved, I mean, that's a good thing. That's biblical. But that isn't the gospel when we go out and witness to this lost and dying world we're not talking to them about christian character because that's putting the cart before the horse we're talking about their okay let's let's figure out what's the state the state of your soul we're starting with the gospel because they need to be saved and then after they're saved now they can be dis, you know discipled we learn different things on how how to live But it's a saving gospel. And and, and then it says in verse number three, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And my friends, if you don't have that, if you don't have the gospel, we are not going to have revival sweep across Our church, our community, a college campus, a state, or a nation. If we don't start with the gospel. I've been invited to different political uh, meetings or gatherings. Every time I go or if I have an opportunity to meet with any state rep or anything. But my question always before the person invites me to go is this. Will I have an opportunity to speak to them about the gospel? Because if not, it's just a waste of time for me. For me. Now, I'll talk about other things. But I'm not going to allow those other things to become first place. Because I'd rather have a saved political leader that is on his way to heaven because his soul's been regenerated. And by default, I know that he is going to govern As best that he can. Within the parameters that he's allowed. We want people to be saved. And we have to start with. The gospel. We can't just train our kids. To have good manners and good character. Why not? Well because the Jehovah's Witnesses. Raise kids that are well mannered. And have good character. The Mormons raise kids. Who are well-mannered, and successful, and have good character. you saying you're against character? No, I'm not. I'm for it. But I'm not for it at the expense of the gospel. That's where true revival starts. It starts with the gospel. That's the preeminence and the focus and the heartbeat of everything. Someone visits Pilgrim Baptist, it shouldn't be more than one, two, or three visits where it's, hey, let's do it. How'd you get saved? What, you know, the gospel. You see? We should love people's souls more than we love giving them a good emotional high. An independent Baptist, independent Baptists in years past have been guilty of this. It's been about the show. It's been about the entertainment. It's been about the preacher that can you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm still young enough to run the pews. <laughs> right what do you, look, I'm not saying anybody's sinning if they do that. I'm just asking, is that taking preeminence of the gospel? Am I giving someone an, an emotional high at the expense of biblical truth? And, and I want to be concerned about that. I don't want to be Mr. you know down and out all the time. But we've got to get back to gospel basics. Or you're going to end up with a lot of what was happening at Asbury was a lot of charismatic confusion. And we need to be careful that we don't get, we don't drown ourselves in emotionalism. sermon that kicked off that revival was a good sermon for college students to hear. We all gratitude what it means to have Christ-like love and what it means to be a servant. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I thought it was a very, from that perspective, I thought that was an excellent message for young people to hear. I mean, I want my kids to hear about how to be a good servant and how to love like Christ would love and how to serve like Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. That is, that is great. But when you quickly move to calling something this great revival and, 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 and sermons aren't being proclaimed from the pulpit from a man where Christ died for sinners. We, we, we are hell bound sinners. Look, you've got young people between 18 to 25 years old in a chapel. There's got to be at least one soul there that would benefit from hearing the saving gospel of grace. Right? Look, we're going to do this Bible conference in four weeks. And I don't even have to mention it to the preachers. They already have it ticking in their head. It's already full of what they're Praying about, it's what they do If if they're in a room Full of people at a special meeting You're Going to hear the gospel It's going to be weaved in the message It's going to maybe before the message It may be in between a message, it may be at the End of the message, it might be after the Message and we're fellowshipping But the gospel is going to be the Preeminence, no gospel No revival, go to Romans 5 I mean you can't get any deeper in God's love than this verse. I don't think you can exhaust it with understanding the love of God. I think it just, every time I read this verse, it boggles my human mind. Romans five verse eight, y'all know it, but God, that's not the big guy upstairs. That's not my homeboy. Okay. Okay. It's God, the one who created all things, the one who sustained your life, and the one who spoke things into existence. That's God. He's not your charismatic best friend that gives you a B12 shot of an emotional high where you're going to sing the same three verses over in a song and dance around with some guy on a drum beating it and another guy strumming on a guitar and everybody, you know, it's like God's not here to make you feel like you're some type of special huggable teddy bear. It's God and he commendeth his love toward us. And we're way down here. And as down as you can put yourself, put yourself lower. But that's God and that's us. There's a huge, huge difference. And Romans 5, 8 says, Commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now let me just break this down to you. If I went to Asbury Revival and I did anything more than just sit in there and experience it, and I started questioning some of the things that were going on, like, for example, the one female that was part of the New Apostolic Reformation that has people quacking and crying and laughing and giggling and doing everything that's not in the Bible. If I were to question that, do you think I would be loved with Christ like love? I don't think so. Matter of fact, I myself, if I walked into that, that scene right there, if I walked into that scene, I would have need prayer from all the saints of God to make sure I had I addressed that and questioned that with Christ like love. You picking up what I'm putting down? We want to love like Christ. Okay, how does that how does that work out when something has to be questioned? Yet God, us as sinners, he loved us and died for us. You can't exhaust the love of God in that verse. True biblical love. You know what it was found? On a cross. On Calvary. And that cross and that ground was full of blood. That's how much God loved you and loved me. And loved the entire world. He took the wrath of almighty God. That was owed you. And that was owed me. And he took it upon himself. Marvelous grace. Amazing grace. Anybody else? Amen. Glorious. Glorious gospel. Of grace. If you want to have revival. It's souls. Sitting in a room or getting an understanding that God, the Creator, would be holy, would be righteous, would be just, would be glorious in sending every hell bound sinner. Into the depths of eternal flames, and you would come to an understanding that that is exactly what you deserve. But praise God, He saves by His grace, and He died on a tree because He loved me that much. In other words, God's not a mean man for sending sinners to hell. God is a merciful God and a gracious God for making a way so that mankind doesn't have to go there. That's grace. So I have a problem when somebody calls something a revival, but the gospel of the reviver isn't center stage? That's concerning. Tongues was mentioned. Women preachers have something to say. That's an unbiblical practice. There was plenty of emotional and charismatic tears and crying and shouting and and, and screaming and you have New Apostolic Reformation folks that make their way in, and they're, they're spreading their false deliverance gospel. And I'll tell you, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole tonight, but that New Apostolic Reformation movement, every single one of those men that are involved in that movement, those men are not of God. I need to qualify that. Those women and men are not of God. Ladies, you think you're called to preach? You can get in with that crowd and you'll be preaching on the street and delivering demons faster. (laughs) And you can blink an eye. They have women and men that they are training up and they are specifically and deliberately telling their folks that people like you and people like me don't have the delivering power from almighty God. It's of the devil. And every woman and man that is involved in that movement is of the devil. It is not of God. Now, praise the Lord. Asbury University did a good job of publicly declaring, look, they're coming. They might try to align themselves with us, but we did not invite them to come and teach or preach. And so praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I mean, you talk about, look, we all know, if you don't know, I'll let you know. Asbury University definitely is charismatic. There's no denying that, and neither would they deny that. And tongue talking and all that. Look, that's one, that's one thing. Those folks there can still be saved if they believe the gospel, and for the most part, a lot of them believe the gospel. But you start moving, you make that jump from you make that jump from uh Assemblies of God or Pentecostals and you jump over a new apostolic reformation, you have completely, you've left, you've left, the train has left the rails of sound doctrine, completely, completely, not revival, it's not deliverance. You're witnessing to someone. You want revival to happen in their heart. You must mention to them that they're a sinner. They need a savior. There's only one savior. It's Jesus Christ. Or you're not going to have revival. That heart's not going to be regenerated. You have a lot of young people. That are experiencing feelings. And led around by emotionalism. That is fueled by social media. And I'm telling you, you have, when when your son, especially, and, and even your daughter, but when your son hits 12, hits 13, hits 14, you've got to sit down and talk with him and say, look, when you were a young child, you didn't know right from wrong. So I made you do right. I told you what was right and told you what was wrong. But there, there came a time where your brain developed enough now you are able to discern right from wrong. So you didn't have to have the um, the little gate at the stairs. you got to have that gate at the stairs for a young child because you can tell him it's wrong. His brain's not picking it up. He's going to fall down, knock his head, knock himself out. You've got to put that gate up. What, what are you, leaving it up when he's 12? <laughs> no, you take it down because now he understands. His brain is developed enough, and now he understands. You get a boy, especially, but girls included. They start hitting puberty at 12, 13 years old. God is dumping more hormones and, and, and all that into that young boy. And you know what he is being led by? His body's being led by his feelings and his emotions. Why? Because his brain hasn't been fully developed to be able to control it yet. There's a part of that there in a young person that ha- you've got to put some gates up. You can't throw them on a college campus and just throw all this emotion at them, all this feelings at them, and they're 18, they're 19. Look, you got to put some gates up for them, young people, from 13 to 17, especially. They're just, if it look if it feels good, well, I'm, I'm doing, doing it. It's up to us as parents and as leaders to be able to put some gates up for them until their brain and their emotions and their maturity is at a point where, okay, now they can self-govern. Okay? You know, my dad's not calling me up. I'm 50. My dad's not calling me up. Well, how are you feeling? Being led around by your... No, but you know what? When, when I was a teenager, hey, how you feeling today, son? Right. So there's a context, and 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 that must be understood. We got to be careful. Let me ask you this: three questions. If a great move of God has happened on Asbury University. Do we see the communities being flooded with 18 to 25-year-old students knocking on people's doors and preaching to them, not revival, preaching to them, not deliverance, preaching to them the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? If it is, great. If it's not, I'm questioning what... What was it that was revived? Okay. Number two. If you were to go there. Outside of that chapel. You would have found. Gospel preachers. Gospel witnesses people who brought printed tracts, people who brought scripture signs, people who, who just brought a megaphone, people that just used their voice, people that made homemade tracts, and they're giving them out. They're personally one-on-one talking to people about the gospel. They're preaching the gospel open air. Tracts are going out. I mean, that was happening outside of that chapel. But inside that chapel, that student body, if there's revival moving over that university, are those students that go there is there a move of God where there's preachers going out, open air preaching, giving tracts out? I think that's a fair question. I think it's a fair question. Gospel witnesses do what gospel witnesses have always done throughout the years. If there's a crowd of people, they're showing up. And praise God, that, that's what happened. So there, there was a lot of that going on. The closest big city, I think, is Lexington. Tomorrow night, do you think Lexington will be flooded from students from Asbury University preaching the word of God? Well, Jimmy, you saying it has to look like the way you're describing it. No, it doesn't look it doesn't have to look like how I'm describing it. I'm asking questions. Look, there's a lot of options that would give me some evidence that there has been a true revival. And one of them is, where is the gospel? Is it going forth from that campus into the community, into the big cities? If we don't, individually and as a local church, if we do not get the glorious saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out into this world, And if Christians don't get a hold of that, we are going to be left with an America where there is nothing left to revive. I must say emphatically, if the gospel is not the main focus, we have completely left the train tracks. We must get back on track where the Gospel is the main focus. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Grace, grace, grace. We must keep that as the preeminent. Music. Colossians 3. If you've not heard me say this before, it'll be fresh. But if you've heard me say it before, it, you know, well, you said that before. But when you ask somebody what Christian music is, typically is defined by the music that they listen to, right? I, I am not claiming to be an expert on, you know, look, there's, you know how many birds God created? They all sing different. They all have a different sound. Music can sound different. And if it's got a little more twang than you think it should have, it doesn't mean it's ungodly, okay? Well, it's got rhythm in it. Look, every song has rhythm in it. I don't have a verse in the Bible that says rhythms of the devil. But look, there's a spirit behind this rock and roll, this contemporary Christian rock, this CCM, there's a spirit behind it. There's a lifestyle behind it. And one of the marks of this Asbury revival was the music. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When we sang those two hymns before church, did it uh, did it teach you some truths? I mean, did me? It it's it got some truths. Were you admonished? I mean, that, you know how a lot of the kids learn through song, through song. It's a good thing. You can be taught through the singing of psalms hymns. And spiritual songs And no doubt I will admit to you I am I am just about certain It was good singing there And I mean you can't You, you can't get away from it Even if it wasn't Inside the chapel I've seen some clips I'm sure you have Look people outside Singing, preaching Look, praise the Lord But it's equally fair I believe to say That people can be genuine about something, but can be genuinely wrong at the same time. And that's the concern when you have 85 to 90% of what they're calling a revival bathed in CCM music. That's concerning to me. 1st John chapter 4. That's why we have that verse. Let's go there and read it. Bible says in 1st John chapter 4. Watch it Beloved believe not every spirit. But try the spirits. Whether they are of. God is that a command from God Christians God does not want you to come into here and just believe everything I say he wants you to test what I say through his word and make sure that what I'm saying lines up with the word of God because nobody's above the Bible and why does God say that because many false prophets are going out into the world hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. God's warning us. Look, you better, try, you better try some stuff. Well, just believe everything you see, everything you feel. And it's a good thing God says, hey, time out. Try the spirits. Believe not everything you hear. Did the hymn sing break out at Asbury University? Arise, my soul, rise. And can it be? It was largely CCM. It was, it was mostly, I didn't see anybody stand up and read or sing from any of the books of Psalms. And when you're singing Hill songs, and you're singing Bethel, and you're singing Elevation, and you're singing Jesus culture. None of those movements are healthy for any individual Christian. And I would I would be one of the pastors that would strongly urge and warn every other Christian in church to not bring Bethel Hillsong, Elevation, or Jesus culture. Anywhere near them or their family or their church family that's why you can't believe you gotta you can't believe every spirit I'm telling you that whole thing it's a dangerous dangerous culture what they have done is their philosophy of music has turned a reverent church service into a rock concert and mo- just about every single one of the leaders of the of those movements, they're not of God. I'm not saying everybody that listens to it isn't of God. I'm saying they're not of God. People who listen to it. I think by and large, just been confused. But Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, Jesus Culture, all of them, they teach a charismatic philosophy that says you enter into the presence of God through their praise and worship music. It is deliberately orchestrated. To bring you through levels of experience of praise to climax finally in a a worship euphoria. You know what the Bible tells me? You know what it tells you? If you have been regenerated, you have the Holy Spirit indwelt in you. I don't need a praise and worship band to manufacture anything for me. The word of Christ, uh, you know what it said in uh, Colossians 3 before it got to how it can teach and admonish? It says the word of Christ dwelling in you, richly. You've got Christ dwelling in you and you've got a Holy Spirit that will never leave you or forsake you. But here's what they say. They will tell you that God will manifest himself once the praise and worship team starts playing. I don't know whether to hit my head against the wall or run around in circles until I'm dizzy and pass out. It's nauseating what people come up with. It's equally nauseating what people will fall for. You have the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you got a full tank. The philosophy of their music is to get you in an emotional state through emotional stages of praise and they want to work you up to an emotional climax and then tell you that the Holy Spirit fell upon this place. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It's manufactured emotionalism, putting people into some form of hypnotic state and a lot of the music, if not most of the music falls under this category. You don't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit through an event. Well, you do. It's a one time event. It's called getting saved. (laughs) And then you're baptized with it. You can sing, Oh, how he loves me. 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 Who's he? Oh, how God. You can say that over and over and over. All you're doing is putting yourself in a mantra. And you better be careful you don't get yourself into vain repetition. Let's finish here in 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. I'm for revival. I'm just trying to draw a line of distinction on some things that I think we should be concerned about as Christians. I'm just not for rock concerts. I'm not for that. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive. It's biblical to try spirits. It's biblical to believe not every spirit. It's also biblical to practice some healthy separation. there's a spirit behind a lot of this music and I want to separate from why we're not bringing that in. I believe we've got rich hymns, rich in doctrinal truth. I believe we can have spiritual songs that will minister to the hearts of people that aren't in the hymnal. I'm for all of that. I'm not for a, Biblical isolation. I'm for biblical separation. And if something like that has a spirit, and, and you try it, and there's something, there's something off about it, it's better to just come out from among them, be separate. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Just be careful calling something that's mostly CCM music a revival. To me, I'm cautious of it.